Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Overnight Success Podcast, brought to you by Maria Hatsi Stefanis. Maria is the founder of Rodial and Nip and Fab, best-selling author, and on a mission to help you achieve your dreams. Maria's highly anticipated third book, How to Live Your Best Life, is now available on Amazon. Hi, Mario, and welcome to the Overnight Success Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm very excited because today we're not going to talk about highlighters and concealers. Thank God. We're going to talk about you. Yay. Yay. All right. Okay, let's get started. So um, you started as a makeup artist at Sephora, and you have now become one of the most respected makeup artists all over the world. You work with the most beautiful faces, including Kim Kardashian. Can you tell us about your journey? Well, thank you. Um, yes, I actually started as a fragrance consultant. Ha, huh? fragrance. I didn't know that. Yeah, when I was 17, I started at Sephora. I got a job um, in the fragrance department. And then I kind of shifted into makeup naturally because there was makeup on the floor and women would come up and ask me for help. And so I would just kind of go in and start helping them. And from the first day of work, I just became obsessed. Like It's sort of like I found my calling, my passion, and I became obsessed with it. Um, and that's pretty much how you know my career into makeup started. So after working in Sephora for a while, um, I started booking clients outside of the job, um, you know, clients that would come into the store and then, you know, they would ask me, you know, can I do, for example, my first two clients were these two singers in a cabaret, in a cabaret place here in New York City. And I remember I didn't even have a kit. I mean, I had gratis from the store wow. uh, that they would give me like brushes and makeup and I had a shoe box and I think I went to work with a freaking shoe box oh um, and I did their makeup for $25 uh, for both girls. And um, I started researching heavily. I would go to the libraries every day because I didn't ha- I didn't even have a computer or a phone at this time. Um, I think I had a pager and I think my manager at Sephora actually bought it for me because they could, couldn't get in contact with me because I was mm. never home and stuff. Um, and I started researching heavily as a library, researching fashion, beauty and makeup and um, magazines. I mean, religiously, I became obsessed. And then I started, uh, you know, to build my book because back then before social media, I mean, it was all about building a portfolio. You couldn't get anywhere or do anything unless you began building your portfolio, which meant testing with photographers and models and then also trying to assist other makeup artists. That was the only way to get in. And so I began doing that little by little and I always held consecutive jobs. So I would work in retail. After Sephora, I started working for, you know, specific brands as like, for example, freelance or like as a regional makeup artist. And then I would go to different stores and kind of work for that brand. 
And then I would test with photographers any chance I could get. And I met a photographer named Fadil Barisha, who was Albanian like myself. And he gave me a chance. You know, I was 17 years old. I was a young kid. And, you know, he worked with more established artists and he worked with celebrities and, you know, big models and stuff. And so he gave me a chance and he let me come in and do makeup on his models. And he gave me beautiful photos. And with those photos, I started my portfolio. And he also introduced me to some of his makeup artists, you know, in his studio. And I began assisting one of them. Her name was Isabel Perez. And she did celebrities at the time. She was doing Britney Spears and Tyra Banks and Janet Jackson. And so I would go on set with her for free, you know, and I would work and I would learn. And, you know, I became close with her and she took me under her wing, took me makeup shopping. I learned a lot of the tricks of the trade from her. And uh, from there, I went on to assist other makeup artists um, in the fashion industry and celebrity makeup artists. I remember I assisted Billy B. And we were doing things like Vogue and, you know, high fashion magazines, big celebrities. And then I went on to assist uh, Kabuki, which was one of my goals. He's a, he's a you know, major, major makeup artist in the fashion industry. And I, I'll never forget, um, I was, I think I was at a store with my friend and I got a call from his agent. Because I had reached out to his agent, I think maybe four or five or six months prior. Just I would reach out to everyone and go to all the agencies just trying to get a chance to assist somebody. And back then, it was not easy to assist somebody because you had to have a portfolio full of tears, you know, because you had to be like a, a strong makeup artist even to assist. And I got a call from his agent, I remember, and saying, hi, this is so-and-so. Um, are you available tomorrow to do Italian Vogue with Kabuki? <laughs> I'm getting chills. Wow. Thinking about it. So, you know, I was a young kid and it was just like, oh, my God, finally, you know. And I went and I, you know, I, I started working with him very often. I mean, sometimes, you know, every day of the week. And so I was exposed every day to... Italian Vogue to massive campaigns, Dolce Gabbana, Scada, you know, Max Factor, L'Oreal. I mean, big, big, big jobs with the biggest photographers and the biggest, most respected teams in the world. Mm -hmm. And so that was the environment I was in every day. Um, and wow. that was incredible. Yeah. And so just like that, little by little by little, you know, growing and learning and trying. It's kind of interesting because people know you, obviously, the last, the last few years, especially um, being with celebrities all the time yeah. and people assume that you just wake up one day and suddenly you're successful and I didn't even know about all the steps that you had to go through and it looks like you hustled a lot it yes. looks like you worked for free a lot oh, yes. and um, you did a lot of different jobs to take you where you are which is it's kind of a good message to give out there because yes. it, it goes with the title of the podcast overnight success and there's nothing like an overnight right. success and everyone has a journey now I know a lot of makeup artists work in a store uh, and they ultimately want to be going 100% freelance and develop their careers when was the point that you felt secure enough to move away from a retail job and be a hundred percent independent? You know, that's a really interesting question. I get asked that a lot at the masterclass. And it's for me, it's weird because there's no there was no one point where I felt ever secure. <laughs> I don't even feel secure now because you think in the back of your mind, this can all go away tomorrow, you know, and you worry about the future. How long is this gonna last? You know, for me, I remember I was I had booked my first magazine cover. And I was working at the time for Lorac Cosmetics, and I was their regional makeup artist. I would travel to all the different stores. And I got booked through Isabel, because Isabel wasn't available, the, the one I used to assist. And it was this magazine, a small magazine named Philadelphia Style, but, you know, it was a good photographer. And it was an on-location job. They came and picked me up, and I went. And, you know, it was like kind of my first cover. You know, even though it was a small magazine, that was a big deal for me, because at that time, like, those are the things you work towards, you know? And I remember from the set, 
calling my manager and telling her that I'm no, I'm no longer going to be working for, mm. for the cosmetic line. Because, you know, it was silly when I think about it now, because it's like, I felt like, oh, wow, I'm doing a cover now. Like, that's it. You know, I'm not doing mm-hmm. going back to retail. However, for me, that is one of the keys to, quote unquote, my success, because I never allow myself and allowed myself to get comfortable. I always look at it this way. If you force yourself to go to the next level and the way it was for me to do that was to say, OK, I'm not doing retail anymore. I'm stopping it mm-hmm. because now I have no chance. I have to. I have to make the next step work out. I have to figure it out because mm-hmm. I'm, I've left the retail job. And so in order for me to survive and to eat, I need to make it happen. And that's how I did it. So you've taken the risk even before you felt 100% secure that being independent was going to be your future. Yes. That would generate enough income for you to keep it going on an ongoing I mean, basis. You, yes, you just find a way. You know, I... After that, then I remember, you know, I really struggled. I mean, I would, and, I, and I could never ask my parents or family for money. I mean, they didn't have the money to give me anyway, you know, but I, I really struggled. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, eating slices of pizza with water and eating like canned tuna, you know, just mm. anything I can to, 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 to get by. Um, and then I would find jobs like late at night working like the bar, you know, bar backing, you know. And then I, I got a job at, at Fox News, I remember, a TV station where I could kind of just go in maybe Saturday or Sunday just to get some money to live off of. Because I was working for free a lot, you know, it was it was really a struggle. But yeah, I mean, I never, ever felt secure to where Mm. it's like, okay, this is this is it. And I still don't even feel that way. Um, That was one of the things for me is not getting too comfortable. Mm. If you ever get too comfortable somewhere and okay with everything, then I feel you you will get stuck. Mm. I remember when we met in New York a couple of years ago and had drinks at the Soho Grand. Yes. And um, we had a drink and then I said, you want to stay for dinner? And you said, I have to prepare for a shoot um, tomorrow morning for an online magazine. And I have to try different lip colors to different skin tones. And I was thinking, oh, my God, you know, Mario is one of the top makeup artists. He probably knows the skin colors and the, 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 the lipstick tones as a second nature. But he still takes the time to do his research and be prepared. And yeah. I always tell that story. You really impressed me there. And I thought this was something you didn't have to do. You could show up at that shoot and be, yeah, yeah OK, I'm going to put something together. But you always come prepared. And I would say you always come over prepared to whatever you do. Yeah. Yeah, that's important for me because, you know, this is my life, my career, it's my job. So I have to take it seriously, you know. And then, you know, you mentioned, well, you know, you're a successful, well-known makeup artist. So, like, what if I'm, you know, I'm a successful, well-known makeup artist and I show up and I'm getting asked questions by the editor, you know, and I don't have an answer. You know, traditionally, I feel like when it comes to those things, like lipstick colors for skin tones, I know just unconsciously how to grab that color to, mm. for the skin tone but it's the things like having to explain why and those things that I need to research you know what I mean mm. and so that's important for me that you know because I can't just show up and say well this is the color that goes with her because in my mind I just know you know you have to have a reason why and so it's those things that you know mm. it kind of keeps you on your toes and 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 it's interesting to, mm. to look into things there's always new information that comes out and you know I like comparing my reasons to you know reasons that I see online Um, But yeah, I mean, you have to take those things seriously, you know, because if not, what's the point of doing it? Mm. So what was your first big break? The moment that you were like, okay, this is happening. I'm there. I'm at the right place. That's so hard to say, too, because there's a lot of things like there's a lot of little things that happen. Maybe, you know, I've been doing this for 19 years now. So I would say maybe it was my seventh or eighth year. I had I had my own agency. Um, I was still struggling. And I got booked to do a campaign 
in Florida. And this was the time where I was really struggling with my with my mom and my parents, like trying to prove to them that I'm going to be okay and that I will be successful because I had left school. And I got booked to do this campaign. It was a big campaign. I think it was for Pioneer Electronics, which is a big, you know, global electronics company. And it was for three days. And the rate was five or six thousand a day. And, you know, for like a 21, 22 year old, that's a big deal, like to have fifteen thousand dollars in three days, you know. And so I remember at that time feeling like, oh, my God, like this is it. This is the kind of, you know, this is what I'm what, what I've been aiming for for years. And I finally got my first job. And then you think like, you know, I'm going to get the 15,000. And then even if I don't work for the next two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, I'm going to be fine because I have, you know what I mean? I don't have to worry. That wasn't in reality my big break. I mean, I would say maybe it, it had to do with um, when I Kim asked me to do this tutorial on YouTube and for her blog. And I had no idea what, even what a tutorial was. I had never seen one in my life. It just wasn't a popular thing back then. And we did the tutorial and it was uploaded to her blog and then uploaded to YouTube. And I just remember the next day getting getting out of the, the, the train or something and just receiving hundreds of emails and messages from people like on Facebook asking me random questions. And I'm just like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> why are these people asking me all these questions? And then I realized and found out that it was because she had uploaded that video. And it was kind of then when something changed, you know, um, obviously had had something to do with Kim. And it was like kind of me teaching these techniques on, on, on camera and on her blog, um, which is something that wasn't done really back then, you mm. know. And so I feel like that was also another moment, I think, for me, that was a big break, which I didn't even realize because I almost didn't do that tutorial. I was not feeling good that morning. My friend was like, come on, let's just do it because my friend was filming it. Imagine if you never did that tutorial. Yeah. Uh, so how did you and Kim connect? When, um, when, what was that moment? Yeah, so I, um, I had started doing a, a socialites here in New York City, um, and then I started doing some celebrities, Natasha Bedingfield, who was a really big singer at the time, and... Gina Gershon, who was an actress, I was doing, I started doing celebrities because I, I geared towards that market because I, I felt like I succeeded in that market. I enjoyed it. And I made a, I made a conscious decision after assisting with all the fashion uh, stuff. I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to try to be a huge fashion makeup artist. I wanted to be a celebrity makeup artist. Okay. So I started doing that. And a friend of mine, Sebastian, was doing a shoot for Social Life magazine cover. And he called me the night before and said, hey, can you do uh, this girl? Her name is Kim Kardashian. She has a show on E that just came out. Um, can you do it? And I was like, no, I don't think I can make it because I have to do uh, some of the anchors at Fox tomorrow. And he's like, please, please, please. Like, you're, you'll be perfect for this job. Like, I really want you to do it. And I somehow, I think I called Fox and I made them allow me to, to come in later. And I went and met Kim. And she walked in. She was so sweet. And I just like fell in love with her face. I mean, aesthetically for me, she's like, the idea of beauty. You know what I mean? I just, mm. I'm so attracted to her face. You know, I think she's gorgeous. And so I did her makeup just like my normal style of makeup that I was doing at that time. And she just really, really loved it. And, and she was taking pictures the whole time. And um, after the shoot was over, she asked me if I could go shopping with her in that moment to buy everything I used on her so she could bring it to LA mm. so that her makeup artist over there can do it. And I was freaking out because I was already late to Fox. And so I'm like, what am I going to do? So I just somehow I made it work. I went to Henry Bendel with her and I um, I think there was like a paparazzi following her. And, and I went to Henry Bendel and we were shopping and buying the makeup. And I had I used to work at Bendel's uh, for years before that. And so everyone was like, why is he in here? Like, why is there a paparazzi? Like, you know, and that was it. We she started, you know, working a lot after that. And she just be, began requesting me for everything. And I started traveling with her. And, and that was how it all happened. You know, we were both young in our our careers. In fact, she was I mean, her career was super fresh and new. I mean, she had just started her show. You know, I had been working for probably nine years already before that. 
but you know, I just I feel like it was one of those things that it was just kind of meant to be, you know. Yeah. And what do you remember? What season was it? Was the the show was it the first season, or had the show been around for a I, season? Or was the second one? What what I was think, the time of her career that you guys? I met? think it was probably the first season. I don't even know because I had never seen the show. I mean, I literally had to like look her up because I knew the name. I just couldn't put a face to it. Um, she really wasn't fam- that mm. famous at that time. Mm. You know, she just had started becoming famous uh, in the U.S. And then, you know, quickly thereafter that, she started becoming, obviously, more globally famous. Mm. Um, but she really wasn't that famous. I believe it was maybe just her first, uh, probably her first season. Mm. So it was luck that you were offered that opportunity. It was also you saying, let me make this happen and taking the time. And then there was chemistry between the two of you. Right. So that's what it comes down to. And your hard work and, and right. doing your best at any client whatever the level of celebrity is, because at, at the time, she was just starting out herself. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I guess, you know, she just really loved that whatever whatever the makeup was that I did on her that day, uh, the way she describes it is like, when it when I applied the makeup on her and she saw herself, she knew in that moment that that was the look that she wanted. That is what she felt. That mm. was the look that she wanted and, that, and she saw it for the first time, mm. you know? Yeah. And so it just... I don't know. It's kind of a, I just feel like it was meant to be. I don't know. Right. So with our audience, we have a lot of makeup artists who would love to work with celebrities. What would be your advice to them in terms of how to get into that celebrity makeup world? Yeah, um, it's tricky. There's there's different kind of advice that I can give um, in today's market and in this ever-changing market because it really is changing every day. It's like everything that was the case, you know, almost 20 years ago when I started is not the case now. I would say the general things are, you know, right now it's all about Instagram. You know, mm-hmm. you, you technically don't even need to have a por- like a physical, well, definitely not a physical portfolio or even a website, which were so crucial years ago. Um, you have your Instagram. And so you want to <clears throat> you want to make sure that you're putting out beautiful content consistently, like nice. You want to make mm-hmm. sure your lighting is nice. You want to make sure that the model it looks good. You want to make sure that the makeup is pretty. And that's kind of how you start building and growing. Um, celebrities are finding hair and makeup people literally every day on Instagram. Mm. Um, Whereas back in the day, for me to get noticed by a celebrity, it was so hard. I mean, there was just no chance. You know, you had to, it had to be someone that recommended. It has to be through a certain agency. Um, But now people can just tag a celebrity and they see their work and they're booked up. And, Mm. you know, people don't, you know, it used to be extremely elitist where you wouldn't just hire any old makeup artist, but now they really don't care. They'll hire a celebrity, they'll hire a makeup artist or hairstylist who doesn't have maybe 10 plus years of experience because if they like their work and it works for them, they hire them. I think the core advice though is, you know, obviously like the the, the general things, you, you want to work hard, you want to be respectful, um, you don't want to look messy on, on, on social media. You know, everyone has a personal life, but you want to keep some things personal. You don't want to show yourself, um, and I'm saying this because you, you have no idea, like sometimes people uh, write to me to assist me and I look at their page and like, you know, they have thongs on and they're like getting, you know, drunk with their friends at the bar. And it's like, this is a business. You don't want to put that 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 messy image of yourself because like every other business, you have to be professional, um, be a good person. You know, if you do get a chance to work with a celebrity, they're going to recommend you to other people. Um, so always have a nice attitude. Remember that it's not about you and stay humble. You know, people don't like when, when especially when younger people come across super kind of uh, What's the word? I'm Confident? No, confidence is fine. But like mm. to, you know, a lot, I feel like a lot of younger people, because social media and because they get attention on social media, they, they have a lot of entitlement. Um, and so you just have to remember that, you know, no matter where you are in your career, no matter how successful you are, 
you are there for that celebrity and you're working for that celebrity so put your ego aside and you're and work on that celebrity and they should be your concern it's just not about you also you know i always tell people talent is honestly only half of it talent is only 50% mm. of it you have to be smart um <clears throat> when you're working with people and and kind of feel the energy and feel the vibe you know if you see that someone's quiet or on their phone getting work done or or hectic or whatever the situation is like keep your mouth shut you know what i mean mm. don't sit there and ch- talk and ask questions because it's annoying you know and so a lot of younger artists just from what you know people tell me and from you know what clients say and stuff you know they don't know really how to maneuver those situations and so trying to like think and be conscious of those things and uh, of course most importantly you just want to be a good person no matter what it is that you do no matter what decisions it is that you make be a good person and you know the more you sacrifice the more the more good things will come to you 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 just can't not sacrifice and expect everything to come your way you know hmm. i have friends that started when i did and who were constantly going on vacation several times a year who were constantly going out and drinking and partying every single night you know and they and i talk to them now and they're like shit mario i wish i would have did what you did back back when we were younger i wish i would have like mm-hmm. not took every vacation because you know you're now living the dream and you, you know you now own things and you have a home and you have you know and and <clears throat> that stuff makes a big difference you mm-hmm. have to sacrifice you know maybe you don't have to sacrifice everything like i did you know i was a little intense but at least some things you have to sacrifice hmm. you know it's interesting what you say about um when you're a makeup artist to a celebrity or to whoever you're, you're you're there in an assisting role you're assisting you're helping out um and i've i've um, seen makeup artists throughout the years you know we we do a lot of celebrity campaigns so i've i've worked with with a lot of celebrity makeup artists and a few of them were telling me that sometimes the makeup artist has to do the role of an assistant maybe the assistant's not around and they have to call and make reservations and obviously go and do the coffee runs if that's needed what's the craziest thing you ever did that's as a makeup artist that was not part of the makeup artist job if there's one thing that was like wow i've never experienced that like i've never experienced to where i become like the assistant type of thing i mean okay. it's always i don't know i feel like i'm super professional i was actually discussing something about this in my masterclass uh my most recent one in miami i'm not the type of makeup artist i'm not a very submissive person i'm very professional okay. i maybe i have a strong personality but i don't think a client would ever mm. feel comfortable asking me to do assistant tasks i think a lot of uh, makeup artists go into a job very submissive you mm. know and i think that's a big mistake because when people feel that energy then they're going to mm. play up on that And so I'm you know I also give that advice to younger makeup artists too. You have to be confident. You have to be, you know, you be nice, you be respectful, but you know, you you can't allow people to, you know, you're the professional as well. So you're there to do the makeup. And so you have to be confident. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to bluenile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. 
That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I hear stories all the time from people, right? Oh my God, this one was a disaster. Like, I couldn't believe it. She was so rude. And I worked with these same people, hmm. but I've never experienced that literally have never experienced that in my life and I think it has when I think about it I think it has to do with you know how you go in there and how you know how confident you are and if you allow that type of thing to happen mm. um, I don't give off that vibe I think where, where a celebrity can feel like they can boss mm. me around you know what I mean yeah I think what you're very good at and and this is from observing you from the outside that you keep things super professional I've had makeup artists even do my makeup that they would come in and with the first five minutes, I don't even know this makeup artist, they tell me their life story, their problems. Mm, no, no, no. And I think when you open up that way, you also allowing your, without me asking, by the way, because when I have my makeup done, I'm quiet, do yes. my Instagram, my emails. It's a time to relax. I'm not into having conversations. And I, would, I had makeup artists come to me, tell me their story, you know, their boyfriends, their this, that, the other. So if you go to a client like this and you open up without being asked, then you are taking down the barriers and you're removing the professional element. And then potentially by doing that, allowing your client to say, hey, I know your story right now, go and get me coffee. So maybe it's that, maybe it's yeah. keeping it professional that just just keeps you at the level that you need to be. And it's, it's yeah, that, I think it's an energy thing too. You know, if yeah. you, people can feel when, when someone's scared or submissive or not confident, people mm. can feel that. It's weird with me. Like sometimes I don't even ask them what they want. I just start doing their makeup and doing what I want. Mm. And I tell you 99% of the time, they don't say anything. They just sit there and they take it because they want to feel like they're being taken care of. Mm. And the person who's taking care of them has it all under control and they don't have to think about it. 
And I approach every situation like that. Mm. Like, I'm not going to be submissive, like, well, what if we do this? Or, well, you know, what do you think if I should do this? No, I'm going to just do it. If you want to do something else, then, you know, that's when they'll say it. And, of course, I'll do it. But I just want them to feel confident. I'm a professional. I know what I'm doing. So I'm going in there and I start doing it. And, and I think they, I think women love that. Women love when someone feels confident and when, when they feel secure that someone's like, ah, oh, like they can relax. He knows what he's doing. Mm. You know what I mean? But if I go in there like, well, what do you think about this? Or, well, do you want to do this? Or uh, I was going to try this, but what do you think? Just be confident. Be confident. Yeah. Just start, you know, just start working. Okay. Right. So we talked about Instagram and that this is the best platform for new makeup artists to get the name out there. What's your Instagram strategy right now? Oh, Instagram is um, Instagram is so controversial in the sort of celebrity makeup and hair world amongst the the people who have been doing it for a long time. A lot of them feel like it's ruined the industry and a lot of them hate it and a lot of them talk bad about the people. You know, it's I love Instagram. Um, I started it maybe six years ago. I wasn't that early to the to the platform, you know, because I didn't even know how to use it in the beginning. I was like trying to figure it out for a long time. Um, and I, I saw that after I hit about maybe uh, after I hit about four or five hundred thousand is when I really started to see like, whoa, this is like serious, you know, like you're getting jobs, you're getting opportunities, you're getting, you know, brands are reaching out. And so that's when I started to take it very seriously. Um, that's when I decided not to be a mess on, on social media. Not that I am, but, you know, my strategy is people sometimes can't believe it, but I, I, I take it very seriously. I wake, when I wake up in the morning, I'm, I'm a super early riser. I wake up before the sun comes out and I spend, you know, the first like hour, the second hour on social media. And what I do is I look at my numbers every day. I see, you know, what things did best and what things did, uh, did not do good. Because for me, it's interesting. I want to know what my followers like what they are what they're responding to um what they don't like and that's all fascinating to me so it's like kind of in a business sense too the the statistics really uh, and the engagement part of it really fascinates me you know in a business way and so i pay attention to that because i i want to give my followers what they like with social media also when you are a celebrity makeup person when you work with really famous clients or when you work with the elite there's like a fine line between instagram stuff and then that world which is very different what they like and what what they're attracted to the aesthetic is very different it's a constant like job for me trying to maneuver the fine line giving the instagram followers what they like which is the super more heavy glam and hmm. but not overdoing it to where the more elite you know are, are going to be like ew you know what i mean hmm. so it's that's very interesting to me too so i i work on that like trying to give my followers what they like because i know what they like and you know but also being appealing to the celebrity clients and the publicists and all those things mm. all those people who like a very different aesthetic you know i have to kind of give a little bit of both because if i just go one way it's mm. going to ruin the other side that's really good so you said you're looking at the analytics um is this something that you check on your instagram insights that's built in or do you have any other apps that you are using i check on the Instagram. well you know you can also just check on each photo yeah know, the insights, yeah, yeah of course but um yeah there's like a thing on the upper right where i look at my insights every day and so i can see the top performing posts um and then mostly it's just looking at the the comments and the and the numbers and seeing what people respond to um, Instagram is also ever changing though, because obviously they changed the whole well, the the algorithm. algorithms. And so like th some things just don't get seen as much as others, you know, yeah. and then you wonder like, well, is it because they're not interested in this or are they bored with this or like, what is it? You know, sometimes it's the time that you post, mm. you know what I mean? Um, so it depends on like where your followers are from, uh, the times that you post. 
I, mean, I think I think unless you have like 60 or 100 million followers, the timing thing doesn't really matter. But when you have less, it matters what what times you post. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's that stuff is all fascinating to me. I mean, I think it's really, really, really interesting to me to see. Um, and I love also seeing other people's uh, things, you know, not for like a competition uh, perspective, but like I love watching, let's say, in- influencers. And, you know, a good example, someone who I really enjoy watching, like James Charles. His growth, I've been watching his growth um, for the past year, and it's incredible to me to like see that stuff and really analyze it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Just be aware of the trends. Be aware and of who the trends and, you know, to see like, to see it all happening is so fascinating to me. I feel like a lot of older makers in the industry are so hateful and they, you know, they could be hateful and they, you know, publicly bash people or they hate people with a lot of followings and they, ha- you know, it's like, there's no reason for that, you know, it's, it's, you know, let everyone do their own thing. Mm. Let everyone ha- handle their own social media. Focus on yourself. You, know, you can look at other people and see them, but like, don't bash people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stay on your lane. Do Stay your thing your and lane. be aware. You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you start mm. doing that unconsciously, you start becoming like a gossip channel. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like you get the most engagement when you're speaking bad about someone, and so they like the attention. So they do. But it's like, oh God, that's a, that's a horrible concept. Like, mm. you know, focus on yourself and and. You know, if you want to, to, to be better at Instagram, if you want to have more um, have more followers and have more engagement, then then make an effort to do that. You know, figure it out. What figure out what it is that people like and don't like. I can post a cover of Vogue, and honestly, it will do so bad compared to a picture of my client that's sitting on a makeup chair with the super glam makeup. Mm. That's just the world of Instagram. Mm. That's how it works. So if you're not going to accept that, and if you're not going to you know to, to accept it, live with it, and and, and go with it, then you know, I'm sorry, but mm. there's nothing you can do about it. So I know you work with a lot of brands, and I know we work together a few yes. times with Nip and Fab. Um, there's just so many brands out there these days compared to when you started. There is the big corporates. There is indie brands. There is celebrity brands, influencer brands, collaborations. What does a brand need to do these days to still be around in five years and be relevant. Oh, that's interesting too. Um, there surely are a <laughs> lot of brands out there. I mean, it is so overwhelming um, seeing on social media and the, the amount of PR packages I get and stuff. I just don't know anymore. Like, things start to feel just not special anymore. You know, it's not exciting. It's not special because there's such an influx of product that's coming out. I think brands need to just be totally authentic and listen to the followers. Like, listen to what people are asking for. You know, if people are asking you to you know, to come out with a certain thing or to change it or they prefer a certain packaging, like listen to the followers and to your audience and engage with them and and do what they're asking. You know, if people are are upset or bothered about, you know, certain launches or there's too much of certain this or too much of a certain that, like listen to them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I just think it's all about authenticity. Um, everything falls down, I think, at the end of the day to authenticity in this business. Mm-hmm. You have to just be authentic. So you recently launched a super successful palette with Kim, you did a collaboration. Tell us about the process. It was an amazing process. It was so, it was emotional for me, obviously, too, because it was my first uh, collab with Kim and it was going to launch on exactly the 10 year anniversary of, of the day we met. So, um, you know, when she started, when she decided to start her brand, which was a while back, you know, she, she told me that, you know, I want my first collab to be with you. Mm-hmm. And I think we were originally were going to do it for like October, which is going to be our birthday month. Um, but then I realized that, oh, my God, it's, um, you know, I have the day, the calendar, actual calendar from 10 years ago, from the day we met, like we should do it on this day. And the process was, you know, she let me really uh, do the more of the research. And, you know, she let me work with the lab in terms of like 
creating formulas and colors and shades and finding the inspiration and stuff like that. And and I let her kind of do like the packaging. I wanted to, okay. because she's very particular about the aesthetic of everything that she does. And so I let her deal with like the aesthetic and how she wanted it all to look. And then she surprised me by using gray, which is my favorite color. Um, and it was a great process. I mean, it was like emotional for me because you never really go back and look consciously go back and like look at work from six and seven eight nine ten years ago you know what i mean you just don't do it you don't have the time but i you know made it a point to do that to really look back at all the looks and see the key like products and to see the key shades that we used um so for me it was just nice it was kind of um uh it was nostalgic you know mm. and, and at the same time exciting and and she's so easy to work with in, in any capacity and she's just really she's so prompt and she replies back literally within seconds um, and so easy to work with and it was just a great experience for me. It mm. was really great and it was nostalgic and it was emotional at times and, oh. and it was fun. So Mario, how did you even put those colors together? So the way I did that was I went and I basically did research and I kind of looked and made mood boards of all of our looks in the past 10 years and there were thousands of them. Um, but, uh, you know, in certain time periods, there were certain key colors that I would always use um, or that we liked and that we kind of were attracted to and so I kind of took um, and created with the lab those colors and then put them all together and then you know that's how the, the palette came about and then you know towards the end when the palette was complete obviously there were more shades than than 10 originally so we had to like take remove some and I wanted to add some color in there because Kim is one she doesn't really love to use color that much and um, we have used color in the in the past and the majority of the times it was blue and so there were different stories and things um, and why I chose the blue specifically one where I was doing her makeup in New York for an event and I asked her if I could use the blue and she's like, absolutely not. And, you know, I'm very close with her. So I just kind of know what she's going to like and what she's not going to like. And, you know, we were in, a, in an apartment, so there was no mirror in front of her and I did the blue and she looked in the mirror after and she's like, oh my God. She's like, but she loved the look so much. Like she loved the look, she loved the photos. And so I was thinking of that. And then I was thinking about, you know, all the women out there or men that are like Kim, you know, who just will be like absolutely not i will never wear this you know or like my sisters for example and so i thought well if i share this story and if and you know and if i put this in the palette maybe more women will be inspired to maybe pick up a little bit of color and add mm -hmm. it to their routine because a lot of people do not like to use a lot of color and also you know kim and i had kind of started a lot of trends in the past 10 years in the beauty world but never intentionally it was always by accident we never we never like mm -hmm. intended to create a trend and i thought well if we're doing a palette like I just wanted to kind of see like what it would be like if I actually tried to make a trend. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so like I, I, that was a part of it too. I'm like, well, let me see if I could actually make this a trend. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I don't know if I did. It kind of, be, it kind of became popular. Like I started seeing blue, and then I started seeing all the a lot of brands come out with blues. And so maybe it did become a trend. But it was just kind of like an interesting way for me as well to see like, well, we never tried to start a trend, and we started them. But let me see like if I can actually start one if I tried or if mm -hmm. I wanted to. You know. Um, so that was really the story behind it. Love it. <laughs> yeah, blue is the new trend. New eyeshadow. <laughs> um, all right, so let's just go back to your master classes. You are doing master classes everywhere, from Dubai to Sydney and everything in between. They're all sold out. You have lines outside, um, women scream, women and men screaming to get into those master classes. Um, tell me about your first master class. How did it start? What was it like? So the first masterclass was um, in L.A. I used to live in L.A. at that time. I lived in L.A. for three years. And I 
decided to do a small class because people would constantly write to me um, and on Twitter asking me questions, Facebook, email. And I said, and I, and I realized that like, wow, these people from around the world, like they will literally never have a chance to become a successful makeup artist because they don't know the tricks of the trade. And unless you like know the tricks of the trade, you cannot elevate to become a, a, a well-known makeup artist. You know what I mean? And so I was like, what if I do an event, like a class, you know, and I had always wanted to be a teacher since I was literally like, uh, since I can remember, since I was a little kid. I mean, that was what I loved doing was I wanted to be a teacher. Like when the kids were playing outside, I was like playing a school teacher, you know, by myself. And so I just like, maybe it was unconsciously like uh, my desire to want to be a teacher. And I just figured out a way how to do it. But I started the master class. Uh, it was called a workshop at that time. It was about 20 students or so. It was two days, Saturday and Sunday. And, you know, I lost money and it wasn't about the money at that time at all. You know, I just wanted to like teach these kids and I wanted to give them, you know, bags of makeup so they could have something to go home with. And people loved it. Um, I mean, some of the some of the students from those early classes are really successful makeup artists today mm. because I, I mean, I really give my all in those classes. Um, and it just kind of started like that. I did a couple more in L.A. And then I remember I launched my first one in New York and I put it on Twitter. And I remember I sold 100 tickets and I was like, wow, you know, this is before Instagram. This is um, uh, people. There was a demand. People were because people mm -hmm. were learning and people were telling their friends. And then there were some YouTubers there and then they would go on YouTube mm -hmm. and look, this is what I learned, you know, and um, it just became a thing. And word of mouth. Word of mouth initially. And then, you know, and then YouTube people that would go there and. You know, and I had students that would come to every class. They would come to the first one, the second one, the third one, because they would always learn something new. Mm. And it made a difference in people's lives and careers. Mm. And so that's how it just kind of authentically happened. And then I started, you know, after the first few, I began developing my authentic style um, a class and the way I like it and the way I like the students to, you know, to be seated and the way I like the makeup to be see uh, shown. And, you know, I developed my own sort of my own benchmark. It's a very specific type of masterclass, the, the way mine is. And I think over the years, it's become sort of the benchmark for every other masterclass that happens in the world. Mm -hmm. So before you start your masterclass or before you start with a client or after you finish with a client, do you have any rituals or routines that you follow to ground yourself and be ready because there's all this energy coming at you from everyone around you? Um, <laughs> I wish I had like a fancy answer for this, but like, I don't think I do. No, with them. No, with them. I mean, I'm always like stressed before because I'm either running late or, you know, I, for the master class, it's like, I have so much going on and I'm, I'm like in charge of so many things and so many people. So I'm like, literally, I try to take maybe five minutes before I get dressed and I'll, I'll put some bronzer on, you know, alone in the green room and, and that's it. But, um, I don't overthink anything. I just kind of go and do it. You know, I've been doing this for so long. So it's like, I, you know, if it's a new client, I'll I'll use the time in the Uber, you know, to kind of just go and, you know, look at their photos online and see their looks and things like that. Just so when I go, I'm like prepared. I kind of know what they look good and what they don't look good in. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, obviously with a client that I work with all the time, you know, nothing. It's, it's you know, it's like going to see family sometimes, you know, but not really. I don't really have a ritual. You know, I just always wake up early. I spend I, I always need about three hours to myself in my house alone and quiet. And, and then I go to work. And that's it. You know, there's no really, there's no really ritual for me. Hmm. All right. And um, to wrap this up, I want to hear your three tips for success for aspiring makeup artists, but generally for everyone out there. Hmm. You have to sacrifice. 
you know, so you have to kind of set aside some things that are going to pleasure you, like a vacation or like going out with your friends or getting drunk. Um, work has to come first. That's number one. This is probably a silly one, but try to wake up early. Like just because you don't have to work one day doesn't mean that you should sleep till 1 or 2 p.m. Wake up early and try to get things done. That's really one of the keys to success. I think I always wake up before the sun, the sun comes out um, and I get things done. What time? Five, usually 5.30, sometimes four something. You know what I mean? I'll just, I wake up. Once I wake up, like I want to make my coffee and I want to get on the emails and, you know, and get going. Because you get so much done when, when everyone else is asleep. And I also, I, I, I was talking to a well-known astrologer in LA and he, he says some, some amazing things to me. And, you know, he said to me, he said, the only way, after reading my chart, he said, the only way that you will not be successful is two things. He said, if you sleep all day and if you you drink or, or, or get high or give your opportunities away to someone else. So mm-hmm. that's always in the back of my mind. It's like if you sleep all day, you're not going to be successful. And it works. Trust me. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very important thing because my life changed when I started uh, really waking up early every day and, and getting things done. It just makes a difference. And then, um, you know, what my little simple mom always told me, um, she doesn't understand my business or my career or anything like that. But, you know, she just always said no matter, she was a cleaning woman uh, for, for many years. Um, but she took that job so seriously and she she just wanted to be good at what she did and she respected her 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 clients that she worked for and and she would always just say no matter what you just be a good person no matter what anyone says to you no matter what anyone does to you you just be a good person you think about being a good person and you do the right thing and everything is going to be good after that and so those are some some, just simple things that i follow and that i think make a big difference love it amazing Mario, thank you so much. Um, That was really fun. We all learned a lot. And thank you for being here. Thank you so much. If you like the Overnight Success Podcast, please make sure you tell a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to leave us a rating or comment. You can find me at Mrs. Rodia on Twitter and Instagram. This is the Overnight Success Podcast. I am Maria Hatsi Stefanis. See you next week.